0: Inside Track on real estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track—everything you need to know about buying and selling in the Greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on real estate with the Decker Team. How to avoid buying your house back—that's the subject of today's show. It's such a different title.
1: What's it really mean? What does it really mean? Well, you're going to have to stay tuned to the inside track on Real Estate with the Decker team where Yetta a Decker. And Ken Decker. And I often talk about myself in third party. So don't even think that that was weird because that was really natural to me, even if it was unnatural to you. And so this show is really about what's natural and what's unnatural. Is it natural to buy your house back or is it unnatural to buy your house back?
0: Well, if you're selling it, right. the preference is probably not to buy it back.
1: Right. Except... I'm here to share with you the inside track. <laughs> That's kind of funny. The inside track. I know at least I think I'm funny.
0: You are funny. <laughs> and creative.
1: Very creative. And beautiful. Oh, thank you. I think this is a show about real estate. It and is.
0: People like beautiful
1: homes. But they do love beautiful yes. homes. And so, how do you avoid buying your house back? Strange title, and yet that is something that sellers struggle with really every time they have a potential offer or every time they're in negotiation or every time they put their home back on the market. So, and what we mean by that is when I have my home for sale and I'm in, as many times this happens, one of the most common is when I have an offer out, meaning I've received an offer and I've given it back to the buyer. So now it's out.
0: So we've countered it.
1: We've countered it. We've received an offer. We've countered it. There's lots of other situations. We're so, going to cover lots so of this stuff today. So at this
0: point, two people are buying the house.
1: Right. The buyer. And this is not a non-multiple offer scenario. So that's where the, it's yeah. kind of interesting. We still have two people. And that is the person that wants to purchase it to move in and call it home. Or call it investment and call it home for someone else. And the person that's selling the home. And every time you do a counter in that moment, you're actually buying your own house back for the difference between what they offered and what you were willing to take and what you want or Mm -hmm. what you were willing to counter or accept. And so sometimes people actually at the end of the negotiation or the negotiation gets (laughs) done, but then the building inspection happens and then we're back to the buyer giving the opportunity for the seller to buy their house back.
0: So let's stay at negotiating for a minute.
1: Because wasn't that kind of a good explanation?
0: Yes, it was a great explanation. Thank you. So what happens is at the end of the negotiation, it's either gonna come to, Mm. they agree on a price. The
1: buyer and and the the seller.
0: Or they're not going to agree. And when I say price, it's more than price. It's mm. it's the terms, the the closing date, the deposit. The, the conditions. The conditions, all that the stuff. Inclusions, so the inclusions, either exclusions. Yes. So they're either going to come to an agreement on that mm-hmm. or they're not.
1: Mm-hmm. And if
0: it's not, what that tells me is the seller outbid the buyer to buy their house back.
1: Right. That was said nice and succinctly. Thank you. So... The seller often (laughs) outbids the buyer, which means... Not
0: often. Hopefully not often. Well, it
1: does happen a lot, though. It does happen. It does. And in this market, we're predominantly Ottawa market right now. We're predominantly in more of a seller-sided market. And yet there is still a limit to even in that approach. Just the other day, we were working with a buyer in the million-dollar range, and the seller bought their house back for really very little money. Mm -hmm. Right, for very little money. The seller drew the line in the sand, and the buyer said, I told you I'd hit the end of my rope, or the end of my price point, as the case may be.
0: Or the end of my wallet. The
1: end of my wallet. I've hit (laughs) the end of my wallet, the end of my willingness to pay for this home, given what I still need to do, and the seller got to buy it back. Not really the scenario that you're looking for. Now it may turn out okay at the end because somebody else may be willing to pay for it, and maybe the seller sleeps on it and then decides that they were actually really willing to accept a little bit less, or maybe the buyer sleeps on it and decides they were willing to pay more. Or what we have seen happen quite often over the years is the buyer sleeps on it and they're not even be they're not even willing to prepare prepared to pay what they had been prepared to pay.
0: Yeah, because sometimes the buyer, in the heat of the negotiation, in mm-hmm. the heat of the moment, will, will get caught up with, oh, it's only 10000 more, or it's only 5000 more, or 20,000, whatever, 50, 20000 50000 more than where we started. Yeah. And yet, after they sleep on it, sometimes it's, ooh, what have I done? I'm, I'm up fairly high now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I even want to pay that anymore. So we like for the buyer and the seller to come to an agreement. Now, sometimes you've got to let people sleep on oh, it, though. Oh, you
1: do. Because sometimes they
0: get more reasonable, <laughs> both sides get more reasonable, after they sense the loss. The buyer senses the loss that they didn't buy the house, and the seller senses the loss that they didn't sell the yeah. house. Then they might start to get a little more reasonable.
1: Right, so this really, are you starting to get the sense? I suspect you are that this really is not a science. This is actually an art. This isn't the hard skill of negotiating. This is the dance, the soft side, the software, so to speak, the dance of how to navigate so that when a buyer wants to buy, he gets to buy, and when a seller wants to sell, he gets to sell and doesn't have to buy his own home back. Say the way you said it one more time because I liked it.
0: (laughs) I can't. <laughs> Let's just say that the seller outbids the buyer in the negotiations what to buy their home back. Yeah. And what I, what my brother taught me a long time ago in the stock market, if you buy a stock and it starts to fall, mm. if you wouldn't buy it at that price today, then you should sell it. So when the seller, if you don't want your house back at, at price X, then you might as well sell it at price Y and get rid of it. Does that make
1: sense? Use numbers.
0: Okay, so let's say your house is for sale for $500,000, mm-hmm. the buyer's willing to pay $475, you want $480 bottom line, and you say, Well, I'm gonna buy my house back for $480,000. Well, if you wouldn't go out on the market and buy your house for $480,000 today, then you probably should take the 475 and run, so to speak.
1: Yeah, don't, don't run. run but... stay, stay available because <laughs> if there's problems or things that have to be navig- navigated, let's do that. I know, but do it's that. a great
0: saying. Take the money and run.
1: Yes, it is. That's a great <laughs> saying. Um, and it's not really like that.
0: Yeah, well, recently we had someone come to us uh, for advice, right, on mm-hmm. their, their separating and the uh, mm-hmm. one spouse had offered them a certain amount of money, and I won't right. give the amount of money because it might, you know, we don't want to disclose anything about the people. Um, and basically, we looked at the value of the house, and we said, take the money and
1: run. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> we did say that, actually. <laughs> it's like, Yep. Even if you've invested more, even if, even if, even with all the scenario and everything that was involved and of course, it was complicated because generally separations and divorces are not simple. They're generally complicated. I think that's why God
0: hates divorce. I think so. Because it's it leaves a mess behind. It does. And anyway,
1: yeah. Take the money and run. Take the money and run. So you don't want to buy your house back if you've decided you want to sell your house. So... So how can, we avoid, of, yeah. Yeah. So how can we avoid of that? Yeah, so a couple of key things to do to make sure that doesn't happen. In the negotiation, stay a little bit or stay a lot open-minded. Receive the, the counsel that's coming at you. If you've had 40 showings and this is your first offer, you're going to handle that. We're going to encourage you to handle that very differently than if you've had it on the market for three days. We've had 20 showings, and we have five offers on the table. Very different depending on where you have been and how you've been received in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, or even if we've just been on the market for two or three days and we have an offer, we'll tend to be a lot stronger on that offer than if you've been on the market for 30 or 60 days and had 20 or 40 showings, and this is the first offer. We've got to take that offer very seriously.
1: Right, so timing.
0: Well, we take every offer seriously.
1: Yeah, we do. Even the low offers, because here's what's really cool about the low offers—they sometimes generate really high offers. Not from that person necessarily. Well, ha- mind you, having said that, sometimes from that person, when there's now the the awareness that there's another offer that's come in—that first a buyer. from a second buyer, that first person that came in really low. Now all of goes, mm, I really do want that house. Do I still have an opportunity? And sometimes they've lost their opportunity. And
0: sometimes they, they pay the most and buy
1: it. Right. And sometimes they do. And sometimes it's the second one that's better than the first one. There really isn't a rule of thumb. People are saying, well, you know, how do I know based on... What is on-
0: a rule of thumb? That's a weird saying. Like, you look at your thumb. What rule does your thumb have, right? What's a rule of thumb? Is that when you pay thumbsies and you go... No. And do the little war?
1: I don't think so. The
0: one that wins is the ruler?
1: Okay. So the rule of thumb is just a general rule. It's the way it typically <laughs> is. So okay. the way it typically is is there isn't anything typical. There is no rule of thumb around whether it's a first offer, <laughs> second offer, or a sixth offer. I
0: giggle every time you say that. What? Rule of thumb.
1: <laughs> I bet you're not giggling. You're well actually you probably are. You're probably giggling with Ken. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, okay. So the rule of thumb around which <laughs> offer is the best offer when there's multiple offers and there's more than one offer is there is no rule of thumb. Now the only part where there is a rule of thumb <laughs> Stop.
0: Okay, yeah. the rule of thumb is there is no rule of thumb.
1: For okay, that, that B Okay, so there is a time where there is a rule of thumb. And that is from the same higher. Now I feel the cameraman laughing. And so now I can barely breathe. Okay. Generally speaking, is that better? Yes, thank you. Okay. When a particular buyer brings an offer in, usually their second offer will be better than their first offer if there is someone else that also wants that property. So if you come in at 480, you find out there's somebody else that wants the offer, wants the house, although you can't be told any details of the offer. The only detail you get to be told is that there is one or there is two or there is six or there is 10, whatever there actually is must be disclosed to all parties that have interest in the property. And when you need to present by, basically. Well, you don't give the irrevocable away even.
0: No, but but they will tell you when they're presenting, so you want to make sure you give your offer before that time or else you may miss out.
1: Right, except you still can't, even in a multiple offer scenario, as a listing agent, disclose what the irrevocables are on the offers, because that is actually confidential to the offer and to the parties that are involved with that particular transaction, mm-hmm. seller and the buyer and the agents involved. Okay. so
0: We are the, so on a bunny trail.
1: Well, it's piggy trails because we don't do bunny trails. We do piggy trails. You know that. We're all about the wealth formula and building wealth. So we go on piggy trails, piggy bank trails. So the great news is the rule of thumb is usually it's higher. And yet that rule of thumb is thrown out the window when somebody <laughs> feels pressured sometimes. Have you ever felt pressured? <laughs> And now all of a sudden you were prepared to pay 490. You find out there's another offer, you think about it some more, and you go, oh, actually, just talked to my banker again, and now I'm only prepared to f- pay 480. So sometimes even on a multiple offer, an offer that's come in now gets reduced. And could you hold them to it? If it was unconditional and it was in writing, yes. If it had any conditions in it whatsoever, really, you're you're better to release that offer and move forward with a different one. Right? Okay, perfect. So financing. You heard me say he talked to the banker and then decided to pay less. So that's one of the ways to avoid buying your house back is insure. And that means having a strong realtor on your side that makes sure that there is a pre-approval for the buyer that has brought the offer. Because otherwise you think your house is sold and now it's coming back at you, either in a reduced offer or during the conditional period. And really what we want to avoid is you don't want to buy your house back at all once it's gone conditional. That's actually the second. We've talked about the negotiation. Now the second risk time buying your house back is after inspections or during the conditional period and that's a very uh, challenging time to buy your house back because we have to notify the board the real estate board within 24 hours so basically immediately when a home is conditionally sold we must tell in writing and advise and update everything to say this home is conditionally sold as soon as that happens as soon as that happens agents And buyers perceive that it is sold. So generally, showings reduce or cease. Activity and interest goes away. People move on to other properties and kind of forget about this one. So when it's that conditional period, if in fact things come up during the inspection, somebody has an issue with their financing, which is the one that is most concerning, then the sale falls through. And the bad news, there is no good news here. There's only bad news in this scenario. And that is the damage that's done by being conditional and then coming back on the market is irreversible. Like it's a problem because it creates a perception and a picture in people's minds and buyers' minds and agents' minds there's something wrong with it. Now, having said that, there are things we can do to reduce that impact. And yet it's vital. Like, this is a vital time to have an agent that can make sure that the buyer can qualify for the financing. That they're just not bringing an offer in with a quote-unquote pre-approval without having brought in their pay stubs and without providing their bank letters and their employment letters and without providing their tax returns and without providing whatever they need to provide to their financial institution to ensure they actually can qualify. The house has to appraise out out as well, so that's another time you can buy your house back. During financing, if your house doesn't appraise for the value that that buyer's paid for it, not a big, big problem in the auto market right now, and it has been over time.
0: And if the appraiser wants in, mm. even if it's not in the offer that the appraiser comes in right. after it's firm. Right. You could be buying your house back if you stopped that appraiser from coming in because that appraiser is what the bank's relying on to loan the money. And they may say, no, we're not loaning the money if we don't have an appraisal in. And so even if it's not in the offer, it's a good idea to let the appraiser in. Well,
1: it's not a good idea. It's a necessary <laughs> reality. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now, let's back the bus up a little bit because we <clears throat> we ran into a lot of the things But how do we prepare before we even go to market Mm. to make sure we're not going to buy our house back?
1: That's the inspection piece,
0: right? That's part of it.
1: Well, because during the inspection, if it doesn't show favorably, now you're back to the negotiating table.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking a pre-inspection. I'm talking before it even goes to market. I know. You can too. do a pre-inspection, You can. which will allow you to find out what things an inspector may find. And a different inspector may find uh, different things.
1: Absolutely. But uh,
0: anyways, find the major things or the safety things, fix them up. Uh, any delayed maintenance, take care of, because mm-hmm. you're probably going to want it fixed anyways, unless you're selling well under market. Um, create a show home that there's a high demand for. I don't have to
1: create a show home. People want to. Ken's looking at me right now, but he should be looking at you because you're the one that's actually going to create that show home. We'll give you the coaching. It's a good thing this
0: is radio because i got a face for radio that I'm told.
1: Well, actually, this isn't just radio. <laughs> There's also 300 and almost 50 episodes of the inside track on real estate with the Decker team that are YouTube videos. That's right. that they just have to go to yeah. Decker Team, YouTube channel right. and they're there. So there your face is seen.
0: Yes. And knowledge. Be prepared with mm. knowledge. And one of the ways you can be prepared mm. is to ask for our ebook called Buying, Selling, and Investing Made Simple. Mm -hmm. And you can get that ebook by emailing us at info at deckerteam.com.
1: And it has a lot of the tips and the insights and the um, the behind-the-scenes truths that we've been talking about here. Because you've got to know that in half an hour, we're covering, we're hitting the high point. We're not hitting all the little tiny details. Mm -hmm. There's way more we could share after, I guess, even between just the two of us sitting here, 55 years experience, add the kids, we're at 75 years experience of real estate expertise in reconstructing homes and building.
0: 75 years of experience between the two of us. Mm -hmm. That's scary.
1: That's funny.
0: It's funny? (laughs) It's funny. No. Because I'm not that. The rule of thumb is funny. Fifty-five years of experience is interesting. Okay, so now for our 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 listeners who are on well and septic, right? If you're selling your property. Mm. Most buyers now are doing a thorough inspection of the septic system.
1: Well, they're not. They're inspectors. Well, yeah. They don't crawl in they're there. They're paying for it. Yes, they they're, are.
0: Well, the inspector doesn't crawl in there either. Not anymore. <laughs> they used to. <laughs>
1: That's
0: just crazy. <laughs> anyway, and the... Uh, also, your well. They'll do a volume test on your well. Now, there's not much you can do about those in advance. Knowing, you know, you might know you have a problem because your well is going dry or you're running out of pressure or that sort of thing. So expect you're going to have a problem. Also, with your septic, if it's really super green and lush and your lawn is dry everywhere bed. else you might have a problem because it shouldn't be super green and lush over the septic. It should be similar to the rest of the lawn.
1: Generally speaking, depending yeah. on the type of bed you have, there are so many different things that could be taking place. And yet most of the time when people say, my septic is fabulous, it's working so well. It is beautifully and green and lush.
0: Well, and they think it's mm. working well because every time they flush the toilet, right. it disappears. Right. But that doesn't mean the system's working. No. And so when something comes up, like a failed septic system, that's the time to really open up your, your willingness to negotiate. Because what's going to happen is if that buyer walks away, now suddenly you're going to have to put in a new septic system anyways and then go back to market.
1: Or put it back to market without repairing the septic system and advise that the septic system will, is near the end of its life or needs replacing or whatever the real outcome is. Because very few septic systems actually fail. Failure means there's backup or there's breakout. So most septics don't fail, breakout. meaning there's sewage on the surface, <laughs> <laughs> that there's gray water. So
0: when you step, it's kind of gushy. Gushy, yeah.
1: yeah. And I have sold homes like that, yeah. where the seller said, I ain't doing nothing. And the buyer said, well, I love the house enough that I'm still Usually buy it. Usually a
0: price adjustment.
1: Usually. I did do one years ago. There was no price adjustment. Oh, but it had a shop. It had a shop. And they're still in the house, and they love it, and they're thrilled. It was the first time I ever did a septic inspection with an inspector where there was a about 15-foot geyser.
0: Came through, guys. When he dug the hole, it just shot when he up? put the
1: shovel in, and it the water just came <laughs> exploding out of bed. There was so much pressure on that bed, so that bre- bed had failed. That was failure. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Black gold, black gold. Uh huh. So really, most of the time, you're not aware that there's issues with your septic. And people will repeatedly tell me because I always ask the question: How old is your septic? When was it last? Cared for? Has it ever been inspected? When you bought ten years ago, did you inspect it? No, no, we just had it pumped, and the guy said the tank was great. Well, that's really nice, and it's such a small portion of the picture. Mm-hmm. You can see some things in the tank. You can see if the levels usually operates at the right level or not, just based on staining. You can see the condition of the dividing wall. You can see the condition of the baffles. There are some things you can see. You can see how much of the solids go onto the liquid side. And all that sort of stuff. And yet, for the most part, you don't know when you have an issue with your septic. Probably 80% of the time, when there is an issue with the septic, there is zero evidence that there's a problem of any kind. Yeah.
0: So, let's so it's off. negotiation let's season. Let's move off of that smelly subject. Okay. Let's move on to um, the stickiness. The stickiness um. of the buyer's decision to mm. buy your property. Now, sometimes if you push too hard up front right. for money and then there's problems with the house, mm-hmm. they're either going to walk
1: mm-hmm. or
0: they're going to ask for a big discount because right. they feel they've overpaid.
1: Right. And then and it's an unreasonable discount typically.
0: Yeah. You gotta, the best thing is where both parties, and it's not always easy, but where both parties believe they won. The seller believes they won and the buyer believes they've won. Mm-hmm. Then there's some stickiness. The second thing is let's get a large deposit. Mm. Because there are the odd transaction that fails. In other words, the buyer firmed up on all their conditions. We now have a solid firm purchase agreement. Right. And then they can't close. Right. So the larger the deposit the seller has, the less the more sticky the buyer is to the transaction. If you've only got $1,000 or $2,000, it's pretty easy for the buyer to walk away from that and say, okay, sue me for damages. Well, they don't, they don't want to say that because they don't want to egg you on. But really, that's your only recourse is to sue for damages. Now, if you've got mm-hmm. five, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 10000 $30,000, $50,000 on a big house in the real estate deposit trust account, yep. the seller can't get that money if it doesn't close. But the buyer can't get it either. And I did have a case where we had uh, $50,000 in the trust account mm-hmm. and the seller won and got the whole $50,000 because the buyer had firmed up. Now that was on a commercial transaction, but the buyer had firmed up and then could not close on the closing date. And the seller was able to get that $50,000 for their troubles.
1: Right. So you don't want to buy it back. So we want to make sure that the buyer has stickiness. So they're committed to the process and committed to the home. And you think, well, why would I put an offer in? Like, why would any buyer put an offer in if they weren't committed to it? Because there are buyers out there that put offers in on two or three properties at the same time. I mean, not supposed to do it. And yet I've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, I've watched this stuff in the yeah. last 30 years. And so you want to make sure the buyer is as committed as you are to the sale. And so making sure the pre-approvals are done, making sure that they don't feel that they've been squeezed so hard that the smallest thing will cause them to run the other way.
0: And the same thing goes for the buyer doing that to the seller. Mm. Because if you squeeze the seller real hard <clears throat> on the purchase side, right. and then there's something wrong, they're not going to be willing to do any repairs or or take right. any money off for it because right. they felt they've already given up enough.
1: And then the buy, the seller believes it's actually better to buy my house back because I'll make those few repairs now I know what they are. And resell it. And I'm going to resell it and yeah. I'm going to sell it for more money and I'm going to address those couple little things. And you, Mr. Buyer, were unreasonable. You were greedy. Yeah. And greed usually gets in the way of um, now, things coming together.
0: This one I really love.
1: So you this, love them all.
0: Yeah, but this, this one I really love because our 55 years of experience says we know how to write a great contract. Oh. And the stickiness of the buyer is based on how good the contract is yes. written. If there's any mistakes in the contract, mm. the buyer can get out right up to the day of closing yep. if the contract's not done properly. So We've if you're thinking some... for sale by owner... Be careful, because if you do not write Mm. that contract up perfectly, the buyer could get out right up to the day of closing.
1: Uh Mm Uh-huh. Like, this is, people's largest single asset generally sits in real estate. So, it concerns me when somebody leaves it to somebody that doesn't do this every day or that somebody hasn't done this hundreds or thousands of times. Because there are so many ways that you as a seller could end up buying your house back. And I don't want that to happen to you. Not when you you want to sell it. Not when you want to sell it. Otherwise, why would it be on the market? (laughs) So if you have your home on the market, or you want to put it on the market, it requires diligent, knowledgeable, intentional behaviors, checklists, process to make sure that you actually get your home sold. So if you're thinking, this has caused some concern for me, call us. We'll have a conversation with you about it to make sure that you're not missing
0: anything. Get the expertise of the Decker Team on your side. 613-860-4663. And give us a call. We'd love to sit down and
1: chat with you. You Don't want to buy your house back.